All right, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset, where we create Catholic content for Catholics. Today we have Dr. Mark Mirabali. He is professor of Mariology at Ave Maria University and Franciscan University. Today we're going to talk about the declaration of Mary, of Mother of All Peoples, and the Faith Marian Dogma. Professor, how are you doing today? It's, I'm doing well. Nice to be with you, Alejandro. Nice to be on your program. Thank you. Thank you. I had a chance to review these two topics on the videos that you made, so I made some notes, you know, <laughs> so I look forward for the conversation. Would you mind leading us in prayer, please? Happy to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your endless blessings, both spiritual and material. We ask you to send the Holy Spirit through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that we may serve our Lord Jesus with a greater heart, with greater devotion and commitment, and we may have a greater knowledge and therefore greater love of she who is the daughter of the Father, the mother of the Son, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, and our own mother Mary. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, patron of the church, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, thank you for that. Surely. we like to start with an opening question. What does your heart desire the most? Well, on a personal level, um, the hearts of Jesus and Mary, you know, holiness, that's what I desire. Uh, still a long way uh, from that, but uh, that's my pursuit. On the global level, what my heart desires the most is what we're going to talk about, uh, a solemn papal definition of Our Lady uh, as the spiritual mother of all peoples. Uh, this is known as the proposed Fifth Marian Dogma because I think it's going to bring historic graces to the church and to the world, and I think we could use them, uh, that both the church and the world could use them in, in rather exceptional ways right now. So that's really the passion of my heart, is, is our topic of today. Well, let's break it down. For, for those that don't know, you know, the Declaration of Mary as the Mother of All Peoples, what does that mean? Yeah, well, first of all, there are four dogmas. Uh, first of all, in 431, she was declared by the Church as Mother of God, the Mother of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Secondly, in 649, the declaration that she's the perpetual virgin, that she was virginal before, during, and after the birth of Jesus Christ. Then in 1854, you had the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, that she was conceived without original sin and conceived full of grace. And then in 1950, there was the dogma of Our Lady's Assumption, that at the end of her earthly life, she was brought into heaven body and soul. So those are dogmas, and, and Blessed Pius IX said a dogma is the perfection of a doctrine. So it doesn't mean that it wasn't true before the dogma is stated. It means this is like the Pope using a papal highlighter and saying, I want to highlight this truth for the faithful because I think it's important to save souls. I think it's important that people have a greater appreciation from all the, the gems of truth in our faith uh, so I'm going to define it as a dogma. So the fifth doctrine, which is not yet a dogma, is that Mary is the spiritual mother of all humanity. And that is something that Jesus gave us from the cross. This is John 19, 25 to 27. 
when he says to Mary, woman, behold your son, and then to John, behold your mother. And that's why all Christians who follow scripture should respond to the words of Jesus. He doesn't say, do you want my mother as your mother? The question is, how do we properly behold her? Because she is our mother. She's the spiritual mother uh, of all peoples, a gift from Jesus Christ to every single human being. And so that's the doctrine of various spiritual mother of all peoples. One of the things that you mentioned in, in your show is that Mary asks us to pray for this, right? For for to ask the, the Holy Father for for this, right? And you give us a couple of steps on how we can do that. Yeah. Well, and and the, the this is really that dogma, that proclamation. So presently, again, it's a doctrine. Uh, but how do doctrines become dogmas? Well, uh, the history of the church tells us. Uh, that it's by two things. Number one is prayer, and number two is petition. Uh, but some people get a little antsy when you talk about a you know a petition movement, but they fail to realize that both Pius the Ninth and Pius the Twelfth thanked the people for the millions of petitions that people sent in because it helps the Holy Father know that this is important for the people of God. You know, we know what's going on right now with Pope Francis and synodality. He wants to hear it from the people. Not that the people are going to take over the magisterium, but that the popes, in their humility, are interested in the mind of the people. So the first way, uh, and let's go to petitioning first, is writing the Holy Father a brief letter. Uh, and that, that sounds odd to some people, uh, but it's simply Catholic precedent, and it's really very easy to do. Uh, you... The Pope's address is Pope Francis, Vatican City, 00120. That's not too difficult. Even if you, if you put Pope Francis and the Vatican in it, they'd know who you're, who you're talking about. And then uh, writing a few lines saying, Holy Father, you know, I, I'm praying for you. Uh, I, I hope that you will make this proclamation of Our Lady. Uh, so the one is the petition. The two is prayer. I strongly recommend, it's always a challenge getting this thing straight backward, but there it is. So this is a prayer of Lady of All Nations. It's a prayer that was given specifically, uh, I believe, by Our Lady to prepare for this proclamation. And it's something that came out of a reported apparition. But it's a beautiful prayer. It's, it takes 30 seconds, but I, I believe the prayer has a real power before God. And the prayer is as follows. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, send now your Spirit over the earth. Let the Holy Spirit live in the hearts of all nations that they may be preserved from regeneration, disasters, and war. May the Lady of all nations, the Blessed Virgin Mary, be our advocate. So it's really, Alejandro, a simple prayer asking Jesus to send the Holy Spirit through Our Lady's intercession for the needs of the world today. And I think if we're honest about the headlines, those three elements, degeneration, moral breakdown, disaster, uh, and war, especially in light of things like Ukraine and Russia, uh, these are realities in our day. So this prayer is asking the Holy Spirit to descend anew through Our Lady to bring historic graces. And that's what I believe will happen with this solemn definition. Uh, and it's not just because I believe it, it's because Our Lady has said so in, in many legitimate apparitions. And it's even what the original intention was a hundred years ago when this was this campaign was started. I mean, this campaign was started back in 1915 by a cardinal from Belgium during World War I. And his position was, look, if we acknowledge Our Lady's roles as co-redemptrix, mediatrix, advocate, those are the three ways she's a spiritual mother to us. If we acknowledge those, then that frees her 
to more fully intercede on our behalf. Uh, why does it free her, so to speak? Because God has a ground rule, and that is uh, you can't force grace on people. You have to wait until they freely desire grace. And so with this proclamation of Mary's roles as our spiritual mother, it's like the Pope in the name of all humanity saying, yes, we want your full intercession, mother. We, we want to see you fully activate your roles as our mother to bring us grace and peace right now, because I think the bottom line in humility is we're not going to get it on our, on our, on our own. Uh, we're not going to get it without supernatural intervention. Things are too challenging, and, and this proclamation will uh, uh, allow Our Lady to bring new, fresh graces uh, to the Church and the world. You mentioned the the way that Mary is our spiritual mother. Would you mind breaking those down to us? Sure. So, you know, a good mother does three things. It's in the human dimension and in the supernatural dimension. So a good mother, first of all, suffers for her children. Uh, that oftentimes happens soon after conception with the, with the pains of, of uh, pregnancy. Clearly, it happens with delivery. But uh, good mothers don't stop suffering with their kids once they're born. So... Mary uniquely participated with Jesus through her suffering in union with Jesus as the new Eve with the new Adam to restore grace to humanity. So what does all that mean? It means Mary, in giving birth to Jesus, participated in, the, in his work of redemption like no other creature. You know, Who of us could raise our hand and say, yeah, I gave birth to Jesus. I, I brought the Redeemer to the world. Uh, no one sane can do that, right? And so, but it doesn't stop there with Our Lady. She suffers with Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, all the rejections, all the challenges, but especially at Calvary. So St. John Paul II would say that Mary was, quote, spiritually crucified with her crucified son, and that her role as co-redemptrix doesn't cease with the glorification of her son. And that means that Our Lady uniquely participated in the suffering, in the offering of Jesus, to the Father for all of our salvation. And that's why the church has called her the co-redemptrix since the 14th century. So, and just as a quick heads up, co never means equal in this case. Call Mary equal to Jesus is, is blasphemy. It's heresy. And quite frankly, it's nonsense because one person is divine, the other person is human. But that Mary worked with Jesus, cooperated with Jesus, participated with Jesus like no other creature in the great work of redemption, uh, that should be clear clear scripturally, uh, and it's certainly clear in the mind of the Church. So first of all, she's the mother suffering. Secondly, she's the mother nourishing. A good human mother doesn't just give birth to the, to the child, she feeds the child, right? So that's what Mary does for us in the spiritual order. She gives us, uh, as the Second Vatican Council says, uh, she's a mother to us in the order of grace. Uh, one mother uh, came up after a conference and said, look, I'm nursing my, my, my little son, I really feel like that's what Mary does for us. You know, we kind of have to go to the breast of Mary to receive the spiritual graces, the spiritual milk of grace. And that's a, it's a beautiful model. But the second truth is that Mary distributes all the graces. That's why the church calls her the mediatrix of all grace. Pope Francis called her the mediatrix of all grace on May 13th, 2023, in his recent message. So that's part two, the mother nourishing. And part three is the mother interceding. So a good mother defends her children, intercedes for her children, protects her children, uh, even in the order of nature. It's the only time that an animal will, will take on a predator 
is to protect the offspring, a mother protecting her offspring. So Our Lady does that. So that's her role as advocate. That uh, advocate means to speak on behalf of someone else. Our Lady does that all the time. She's bringing our needs to the throne of Jesus on our behalf. This was a truth from the early days of, of the church. Um, St. Irenaeus called her the, the advocate, the cause of salvation for the human race back in, in 185 AD. So nothing new with these titles, but those are the three ways that she shows her motherhood to us, that she manifests, she, she exercises these. The mother suffering, the co-redemptrix, the mother nourishing, the mediatrix of all graces, the mother uh, pleading or protecting or interceding, the advocate. But there's all, you know, Alejandro, you, uh, I don't know you, but uh, I know you didn't have three mothers. Uh, you had one mother. And if she was a good mother, she did these three things. That's true with Our Lady, too. These are not three separate dogmas or doctrines. It, these are three ways that she shows us that she's our spiritual mother. Would St. Paul disagree? Would St. Peter disagree? Say, no, I actually think I did more to help Jesus in the work of redemption. I mean, it's so in a real sense, if you take away the confusions, this idea that it could mean equality, it's silly. I mean, uh, St. Paul calls us to be co-workers with God. Does that mean we're equal with God? Of course not. Co doesn't mean equal in its first meaning. It means with. Um, but even our Protestant brothers and sisters, if they prayed for someone today, if they evangelized today, if they showed Christian witness, they were co-redeemers because they're furthering the possibility of redemption, which ultimately always depends on Jesus Christ. But we're all called to do that. We're all called to be co-redeemers. We're all called to, uh, if we prayed for our parents, we're mediators, right? But it's only a mediation dependent on Jesus Christ, the one mediator, but we all share in that mediation. Our Lady does it uh, like no other creature. So going back to the fifth Marian dogma, why is it important that we that we petition the Father, that we follow through with this Marian dogma? Yeah, well, I believe what Cardinal Mercier said, first of all, who's the Cardinal who started this back in 1915 during World War I, because he truly believed, again, that if we, if we gave Our Lady this honor, if we acknowledged her role, then she could have interceded for peace. Unfortunately, it did not happen. And of course, we had what was supposed to be the war that end all wars, except then we had a World War II. And as our Holy Father is now saying, we're in a, we're in a piecemeal World War III. The, the levels of peacelessness in hearts throughout the world, uh, both in places like Russia, Ukraine, which are more obvious, but it's far beyond Russia and Ukraine, Alejandro, in terms of peacelessness. People who don't have Christ, don't have meaning. Uh, like Mother Teresa said, you know, she she found the loneliest people and the most impoverished people in New York City. So uh, there is a great need for peace. So Our Lady has also said in many authentic apparitions that only with this proclamation will she be able to intercede for peace, true peace for the world. And once again, if we think that we can arrive at peace through the UN, through diplomatic relations, I would consider that sadly naive. I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think we're going to have to see that Our Lady is the remedy. And this is a very strong in the Fatima message, right? She literally will say on July 13th, 1917, do these things because only I can help you. She literally says, only I can help you. And you might be tempted to say, well, yeah, well, what about the Trinity? Aren't they concerned? Of course they are. 
they've given Our Lady this task, the task of bringing peace to the world. At other apparitions, a place like Medjugorje, where she comes as Queen of Peace, she's also made reference to being the mediatrix. Certainly places like Amsterdam. Now, Amsterdam is a reported apparition. It was approved for over 18 years, and then the new bishop brought it back to a reported level. Uh, but one can certainly still believe uh, in these. In those reported apparitions, Our Lady clearly, repeatedly asks for this dogma and says, this is the only way to bring peace to the world so that I can bring you peace, that I can bring you the graces to reconcile nations because I am the mother of all peoples. I'm the lady of all nations. And then in, even at Akita, Japan, that's an approved apparition in 1973. So this, try this again, that image was carved into a wooden statue by a Buddhist sculptor based on a Japanese sister's idea that belief that she had been healed by the Lady of All Nations, the Amsterdam apparitions, okay? Well, that statue would then go on to weep 101 times. Not just 101 tears, but 101 different occasions. And the spiritual director said, uh, as well as the bishop said, this is a continuation of the Lady of All Nations. Well, of course, because it's the statue of the Lady of All Nations that wept. So, this message, the message of Akita Japan, also has a very strong message concerning a conditional chastisement for the world, a, a great global punishment for not responding to uh, the gospel of Jesus and the, the warnings, the encouragements of Our Lady. So I would say this is quintessentially relevant. You know, the Fifth Marian Dogma campaign is not just about a nice ivory tower theological conclusion. It's about acknowledging that Our Lady is the remedy and only through her will we get the graces that will eventually lead to an era of peace that's been promised at Fatima. I I want to say now that this this plays with our with our freedom, like because of course Mary can do this in a second, but it has to come from us, as you say. It has to be something that we want, that we request in the right way, right? We want this to come from Mary and from from the Father, right? That's absolutely true. And you know, Saint Augustine said, you know, God creates us without us. But he cannot save us without us. That means if he's given us free will, then we have to use it. And again, God's not going to force the graces of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, as profoundly wonderful as they are. He's not going to force that on us. We're going to have to acknowledge the mother of Jesus first. And then when we freely do that, and who better to speak on behalf of all humanity than the vicar of Christ on earth? So the Holy Father has the keys. And he's got the key also as Pope to unlock the graces that would lead to the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But the messages are very specific. It's not going to happen without this dogma, which, which should help us to pray the prayer of the Lady of All Nations, but also our mass offerings, our rosary. All we have to do is say, you know, I pray for the Fifth Marian dogma. Heaven knows exactly what that means. Um, and for those who feel called, write a brief note to the Holy Father. Again, the Holy Father is kind of begging for our mind. He's begging for our hearts. He wants to know that's the whole synodality movement that's happening. Well, let's answer. Let's say, yeah, Holy Father, we think that Our Lady is the answer more than anything else, but but that Our Lady is the answer. Let's acknowledge her with our freedom, and we want you to speak for us as the Vicar of Christ so that we can receive the graces of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, graces of peace that we desperately need. 
And the cool thing is that Mary has in interceded, right, <laughs> for peace yeah. in the world in the past in many different occasions, right? Can you give us a couple of ideas, examples? Yeah, surely, uh, in, in remarkable ways. I mean, this started in the third century during the Roman persecution when the, this, and this is a third century prayer, Alejandro. Um, it says, we fly to your patronage, O holy mother of God, despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us from all dangers over glorious and blessed virgin. Now, that's a third century prayer of Christians under persecution by the Romans. Uh, and and in fact, Our Lady, time and time would intercede. Uh, and so, again, with our Protestant brothers and sisters who we share Jesus with, thanks be to God. But this is not um, the the love of Mary and the intercession of Mary is not something new. This is from the beginning. What's more new is the rejection of this, and it's not based on any real foundation that we can call legitimate. It's not a scriptural foundation. It's not a historical foundation. The love of Mary has always been there. You know, famous cases, the, the great battle in uh, 1571, the Battle of Lepanto, St. Pope Pius V asked the Christian world to pray the rosary to save Christendom from a massive Muslim Turk attack. And in fact, a much smaller Christian fleet under the 24-year-old leadership of Don Juan defeated the much larger Muslim Turk fleet. And that's why October 7th, we honor Our Lady as the Lady of the Rosary because that's the day that Pius V realized that they had won. But it goes all through history. You, you got uh, 1683 with uh, the Battle of Vienna. The Polish king, Sobieski, led his troops to Our Lady of Czestochowa, put an M on their shield so they could rout the Muslim Turks had been encamped in Vienna. And without this, they would have uh, taken over Western Europe. But it, it's even more recent. I mean, uh, in the Philippines, there was a great revolution against the Marcos regime, the dictatorial regime. This is back in uh, 1985, they prayed to Our Lady, and there was, and this was testified by the Cardinal, Cardinal Jaime Sin, there was a huge silhouette of Our Lady between the tanks, ready to fire on the people in Taliban Square, in, in downtown Manila, and the people. There was a million people praying the rosary. And the dictator gave the order to fire on the people, and not one shot was sent. And a silhouette of Our Lady, said, we can't fire in the silhouette of Our Lady. So it continues today. But I think we have all the more reason today because I think Pope Francis is right. We we have a piecemeal World War III going on. With only a few actions, this could be a nuclear World War III. And that's why, again, I encourage people to be diligent about praying for the Fifth Marian Dogma. And, you know, it, it takes three or four minutes to write a little note to the Pope. You put three poaches, postage stamps on it from the U.S. Pope Francis, Vatican City, 00120. Let the Holy Father hear that we consider this important, and that can move his heart too. Who, by the way, is an extremely Marian Pope. He never leaves Rome without going to St. Mary Majors and entrusting his trip and then returning. I think he's a very good candidate for this. And so just just to clarify the, the letter to the Pope, I just grab a letter, put three posts on it, and I put it here in, in the post office, like the regular post mail, all right? Just, yeah, Pope Francis, uh, that's, all, that's all you do. And what happens is they receive these letters. Of course, the Holy Father doesn't open every letter individually, but there's a group that does receive it, and they report to him these topics. And if there's a if there's a letter that moves them, they give them the specific letter. But um, this is a case where I think everyone has a responsibility to do their part for world peace. And it's basically by saying, A, 
I believe Our Lady can bring us the graces we need because she's said so for the last 150 years of her apparitions. And B, I want to direct this to the Holy Father in a way that shows this proclamation can really bring us peace. And the Holy Father has peace very much on his heart. So I, I think it really can move him in a, in a very positive way. So, Professor, I want to I wanna be respectful of your time. It has been fantastic to talk about Mary and the Fifth Marian Dogma. Um, we certainly encourage many to write those letters and get them to the to the Holy Father so they can hear from us. Uh, we have one last question for you here on the show is, what is your favorite part of your faith? Oh, adoration. I mean, Eucharistic adoration, I think, is kind of the center of the universe. My humble love of Our Lady always leads to Eucharistic adoration because the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary will eventually lead to what's called the reign of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, which will be a reign of the Eucharist, a, a, a renewed appreciation of the Eucharist. The Holy Father just uh, told uh, in, in a Vespers presentation on August 2nd in Portugal during World Youth Day that we have to return to Eucharistic adoration if we want to have any sense of peace and tranquility in our hearts. So. Uh, for me, I mean, I love Our Lady, uh, but, and period, but love of Our Lady always leads to uh, Eucharistic adoration. I think we just have to, like, uh, like a good doctor doing a cardiac surgery, enter our daily planners and make sure we get time for adoration as often as we can. I think it's, it's what will take us through some challenging times and bring us to a period of peace. Meant to that. Thank you, Professor, for joining us on the show and telling us about is Marian dogmas and um, what we can do to contribute to making this happen. My pleasure, Alejandro. Nice to be with you. <laughs>